This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Wow, that's pretty good, isn't it? I'm excited. All I had to give for it was my life. Followed Jesus to California. He said, oversee this and raise it up and make it good. So, (laughs) you know, it's Jesus and the people. But praise the Lord. It's good to be an anointed leader to get to lead us into what's going on. That was a lot of years of prayer, a lot of years of sowing, a lot of years of faith, and a whole lot of sacrificial giving on your parts and our parts to everybody else's. And today we're going to be looking at at why we do what we do and uh, why it's so important to have nice buildings and nice facilities and things like that. I'm just, I'm just kind of overwhelmed looking at those pictures. It gets to me. You know, if all you ever do is come in here and walk into this building and come to a service, you never dream what's on this property and other places. We've got 13 acres here. And there's so much potential of things we want to do here. But the main thing we want to do is get people to heaven. People receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, uh, to keep them saved, to keep them saved. I've been born again 37 and a half years, and the reason I'm thinking about that is that this next weekend is such a power-packed weekend. i tell you what, I ask all of you for to participate in everything you can next weekend. There's so much going on, but man, throw your cell phones away next weekend. Unplug your TVs, your DPRs, and everything else next Friday night and next Saturday morning. Brother Copeland's coming to California. He hasn't been here for like, what, 10 or 11 years? He hadn't been here for a long, long, long time. And he's one of them that uh, really got me started in the faith. But then a couple other things happened in addition to that. There's so much going on. Pastor Kenny Gatlin's going to be here. Got a church a whole lot like ours down in Torrance. He's going to be here Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then something else has happened next Sunday. I wish they would have happened on different Sundays, but I can't control that. Uh, how many know that I talk about Brother Brother uh, Kenneth Hagin a lot, and that uh, I'm a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled Christian, cast out devils, heal the sick, carry out the Great Commission. I'm a very serious, spirit-filled Christian. Well, also something happened next Sunday that I hope everybody here could come next Sunday. When I got born again back in January of 1980, God started drawing me back in December to himself. And so the first Thursday of January, I was, I was a sinner, and I heard about a Pentecostal church. Didn't know what it was, but I went to it. I went in as a sinner, and I started going to that church there. And there was a couple I met at that church there. I first started going, and I ended up getting born again, filled the Holy Ghost. But this couple kind of took me under their wing. I was, I was a single divorced dad. And things like that. They took me in and kind of raised me up. They introduced me to Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, and those guys. And matter of fact, uh, I started speaking in tongues in their house with the lady. I said, God, why don't you start speaking in tongues? I already received the Spirit. know what to do with it. And so I started speaking in tongues there. And on my way to work in the daytime, I clocked in at noon as a truck driver before I got in a semi. And I stopped past there as she would give me these Kenneth Hagin books. They were coming hot off the fresh as she'd give them to me. And I sat in my car in the driveway before I went to work, and I'd read these Kenneth Hagin books, and I'd give them back to her. And I started getting hooked up on this kind of faith that Word of Faith people have, like this church here is. And so they got me hooked up into that. And my first Word of Faith pastor, they called me on the phone, told me about a new pastor in Indianapolis, that I want to go with them and check it out. So I went and checked it out. He was my pastor until he moved to heaven several years ago. 
He's the one that fed me and mentored me, discipled all that kind of stuff, along with Kenneth Hagin. Well, anyway, long story short, those people, when we uh, pioneered our first church back in the early 90s, they really come alongside of us. He was a very wealthy businessman, contributed a lot of money and finances and things that helped us by our abilities and things we did get us started. He moved to heaven at the start of the year. But a few years ago, when, when I got born again, I've got to tell you some story about why I'm excited about them getting to visit our church next week because they're going to be in California, is this, that uh, when I got born again, their youngest son was about 14 years old, and he was a punk. I mean, <laughs> he was really a scoundrel. He's just a rebellious teenager. And so he got right with God a few years ago and went to the mission field. And so I've privately, I haven't promoted him to the church, but privately I've been contributing monthly, supporting him in New Guinea for the last few years. And so he's getting a, he's getting a leave or whatever you call it. Takes him two days to get back, I think, in New Guinea. But anyway, he came, he landed in San Francisco a couple of days ago. And his mom, who's now, who's now a widow because the dad moved to heaven. Well, she met the dad in San Francisco back in the 60s before they got married. They lived in San Francisco for a while. So mom's flying to San Francisco, going to meet the sons now in his early 50s. And they're going to drive down the coastline and then they're coming to stay with us for a couple, two or three days at our house. And they're going to be here Sunday in the services. So Pastor Gatlin here has got a lot going on. But uh, I don't, I can't tell you what it means to me. They got me started in what I'm doing today. The very first church I ever preached in back in 1981, their family took me. We went together. They heard me preach the first time I ever preached. They were with me. We used to go to jails at nursing homes at hospitals together to minister to people. Got me started in ministry to people like that. But anyway, they're going to be here next Sunday morning, Sunday night. And with the help of God, to not take away from what Pastor Gatlin's doing, I want to have them share with you a little bit about how Bernie Samples was back in 1980 when this thing first started to where he is today. And I think it's going to thrill you. I think it's going to bless you to see. In other words, like God said through Isaiah, do not despise small beginnings. You know, it's just like this church here. You know, a lot of you don't know the history of this church, but Pastor Bill Long pioneered this church back in the probably late 60s, early 70s. He's still got a church in Newberry Springs. But this was his vision. has been passed from generation to generation to where we are today. But he told me before he started preaching in a chicken house thing out in Newberry Springs. And then Victory Hall, what we have now, was a former dance hall or something. And he had church over there. For it became to here, to where it is today, but it's here. Amen. It didn't start this way, but it's here. And if our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tarries for several more years, then people look at where we were today. There will probably be pictures of the rededication stuff today. And this church is going to cover a whole lot more ground, do a whole lot more things. And then some of you are going to be old people by then. And you're going to say, wow, I remember when. And you're going to have testimonies about what God's doing. But anyway, we're going to look today at the Word of God about why we do what we do. And I'm so glad, I am so glad that Jesus not only saved me, but He gave me a job. Amen. He gave me something to do in the body of Christ. I'm not just a bench warmer. Man, I'm on the playing field. I'm glad to be on the playing field. I'm glad to be able to lead people to Jesus and pray for and pray for people. But the most important thing I'm glad to do is to influence people. I'm glad he gifted me with a gift to pastor, to be a spiritual father to people. 
add a gift to teach the Bible in a way that people can understand it. I just don't sound so theological astounding, but overwhelmingly leave confused like, wow, we got a deep pastor. I don't want to be a deep pastor. I want to be a pastor that helps you. I want you to be able to help people everywhere you go. And so the first thing, does anybody need an outline this morning, sermon outline? We have fill in the blank things on here to help you, Mrs. Pastor. I'll let you have mine since I took it out of your bulletin. <laughs> That's called harvest. Take my stuff, I'll take your stuff. <laughs> and also, uh, I was thinking about that song we sang a while ago about Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place, overwhelms your presence. That's the season we're in right now. This church really needs to stay there all the time. But we're, we're right now on the brink of a major move of God across our city, our state, our nation. God is ready to move big in America. That God needs American Christians to cooperate. Amen. We'll talk more about that from the Word of God in a minute. But, uh, I want to show you some books out of our bookstore. How many like our new setup we're getting going today? Our bookstore, coffee bar, and things like that. Amen. We want to be, we want to, we want to be user friendly, customer friendly to help people be able to come into the church and be served. Here's a book in Spanish and, and in English called Why Tongues? Why Tongues? Uh, I didn't have a lot of church experience as a kid. My grandma took me to the Baptist church and, uh, the Baptist church never taught us about why tongues, so they just didn't talk about them. And so a lot of Pentecostal churches tell you things and use phrases like I just did a minute ago about getting to speak in tongues, but don't teach you the why. Well, we teach on it here uh, quite often, but here's some books that will help you to understand why God wants all believers to speak in tongues. Now, some, some, some churches take that to the extreme and say, if you don't speak in tongues, you won't go to heaven. That's not true. But if you do speak in tongues, you'll have more of heaven in you on earth. It'll help you be more effective for Jesus. Those books from the Bible explain that to you. And then here's another book called The Bible Way to Receive the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, you receive a measure of the Spirit. But then when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive the fullness of the Spirit. And so there's two different things. There's the same Holy Spirit, but when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not water baptism, but it's an immersion of the Spirit coming into your life. Then you receive more. And then here's another one called Seven Vital Steps to receive in the Holy Spirit. And so, as I said, we have lots of, lots of things on the sermon out. What do we call that? The internet. On there, you can pull off there about how we teach on this from the Bible. But these books are back there in the bookstore and they'll help you. How many want more of God? Amen. Amen I do. The times we live in, man, there's enough of the devil. I want more of God. Amen. Let's, let, let's pray over the word, then we'll get into it. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your holy written word. Lord, we thank you for your presence. And in our church, Lord, we don't, we don't want to just have a nice buildings and nice properties and a place people think, well, that's really a nice church. Lord, we want people to say that's a Jesus church. We want people when they visit our church or become church members to say, Jesus touched me there. Jesus changed me there. Jesus healed me. Jesus put my family back together. Jesus helped me get a job. Jesus delivered me from addictions. Jesus delivered me. We want people to know this is a Jesus church. So, Father, as we approach your word today reverently and humbly with tender hearts, Lord, we thank you for speaking to each and every heart here that we leave here today 
we're going to go know more about you. But Lord, we're going to be better disciples to reach out to others everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. And so celebration and rededication of our remodeled sanctuary to other buildings today is what this is all about. But I was thinking the other day when I was praying about, Lord, what do you want to say to the people? What questions they need answered and that kind of thing. And this was just real simple. Why do we do what we do at High Desert Word Center? And so we're going to look at three top priorities. Three top priorities of our church. And, you know, some people say, you know, that's that's vision, that's a mission, et cetera, et cetera. Well, our mission is what we want to accomplish and our vision is how we're going to do it. And so we're going to look at some of those type of things today. But uh, I, want, I, I just want to say this to get this right up front for your fill in the blanks. These three things right here are not our priorities, but these are the reason for our priorities. These are the reasons for our priorities. This is not the priorities. We'll be talking about those. And so the reason we do what we do is there's a heaven to gain. There's a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to shun, and eternity is forever. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. Eternity is forever. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I'm grateful that when I was 16 years old and I was drunk and I passed out behind the wheel and my way, way big, my way too big muscle car for a little punky teenage kid thought he'd do everything. When I ran a traffic light, I really ended a guy, ended up with a 390 police interceptor engine on my head and on my chest, and the police said I was dead, and they called for a coroner. And then some policemen decided that there might be some life in me, so they took me to stand from the corner to the hospital. And I woke up chained to a table in the jail ward for guys sitting on me, sewing me up. And I came out of there. And then later on, when the Lord showed me the reason I didn't die or stay dead there, because I had a Baptist grandma that knew how to pray in the name of Jesus. And I realized that if my Baptist grandma had not been praying in the name of Jesus at 16 years old, Bernie Samples would have been in hell and still there. And then when I was 19 years old and my appendix ruptured and I had peritonitis back in 1970, and you know, medicine was pretty modern then, but not like it is now. Peritonitis is not very good stuff. For 11 days, I was in the hospital with them pumping me full of antibiotics. Boy, that hurt when they put it in back then. Antibiotics would keep me alive. But the doctors told my wife and my mother he's got less than a 50-50 chance of making it. At 19 years old, if I would have died, I'd still be in hell. I wouldn't have got out. And so, over the course of time, every human being that's ever died went to heaven or went to hell. And when people die, they don't get a second chance. When they're dead, they're dead. They go somewhere. You know, I know different religions teach different things. But I don't teach religion. I teach the Bible. So the Bible tells us what's right. And so, anyway, that's why we do everything we do. I don't care about money. I don't care about fame. I don't care about clothes. I don't care about houses. I don't care about video games. I don't care about anything. Because I know that 
the time period I live, if I live to be 100 years old compared to eternity, that's like less than one drop of water compared to the oceans. That, that's a nothing. You can't even see that drop. And so the time I live on the earth is nothing compared to where I'm going to live forever and ever and ever and ever. And so I realize that for human beings, that uh, all the things I don't care about, I need to do what I need to do effectively. Clothes are not my goal. Houses and fancy cars are not my goal. I need what I need because I need to function comfortably and what I need to do to help people. Church buildings, that's not our goal. Our goal is to get the knowledge of Jesus Christ into the hearts and the souls of men, women, boys and girls, and people to let them know there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. Eternity is forever. And whatever decisions you're going to make, you have to make on this side of death, not on that side because it's too late. So that's what we do. That's why we do what we do. So everything we do revolves around getting that knowledge to people. I want you to look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And if you've ever been to a Christian funeral, I'm sure you've heard this verse. But since we're not talking about funerals today, we're talking about what we as believers are to know and to motivate us in what we do. John chapter 14, first three verses. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, that you may be also. And so heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. It's not just some figment of your imagination. It's not just some uh, nice thought that people think about. Heaven's a real place. And uh, you might note down, write down Revelation 21 and 22, because Revelation 21 and 22 gives a really de- wonderful description of heaven about the trees there, about the river of life flows out the middle of heaven, about the throne of God that's there about the streets that are made out of pure gold, about the mansions, about the wall around the city of heaven. And I learned something years ago. It's always stuck with me. And this might help you. We know that when people die, they die. I mean, that's just the words we use. They die. But the way I look at it, uh, I led my mother to the Lord. She's in heaven now. I led my dad to the Lord. He's in heaven now. I led my younger brother to the Lord. He's in heaven now. Their physical bodies died, but here's the way I see it. My mom moved to heaven. She just left this planet, moved to another planet called heaven. My dad moved to heaven. Their bodies got buried here, but their spirit and soul came out and moved. They moved to heaven. And so, just like just like I moved back in 2005, my family and I moved 2,000 miles from Indiana to California, that's a great distance, and we can't just be there right now. It takes a while to get there. Of course, with modern communication now, FaceTime, everything else, we can talk there and visit there a whole lot easier. But just like moving from here to heaven, they're still here, just a long ways off. And we can't just communicate with them. 
You know, we will when we get there, we'll see them face to face again, our loved ones and things like that. But that's the way I look at death. That's the way I look at eternity in heaven, that people die physically, but spiritually they move. Amen. Doesn't that help you about heaven? Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. So I go to prepare a place for you. And so I'll come and receive you. And so when our loved ones die that are born again Christians, we may see a body get put in the ground right here in California. They don't put a lot of them in the ground. They put them in the pot or whatever little things are. But anyway, when they perish here, they're not gone. They just moved. Amen. And so we know how real that is. And so heaven's a real place. But then verse 4 through 6 says this. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, well, I'm another way. There's many roads lead to Rome. There's many great religions, and Christianity is just another religion. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And so to go to heaven, you must ask Jesus to your heart and be born again. Amen. And you know, I want to, I want to say this. We are a Christian church. I'm never going to apologize to anybody for preaching Jesus is the only way. You know, I don't want to ever be a part of deception of helping be a part of the lie that whatever religion you have, that you just pray to your God, well, Nobody comes to the Father but by Jesus. You may pray to another God, but you're not praying to the Father. And so, Jesus Christ is the only way that a human being can go to heaven when they die. And we're going to preach that near. We're going to preach it fire. I'll preach it till the day I die. And if something were to ever happen, God forbid that the Christians don't believe for their country to turn back to God. And they hold the axe in my head. My last breath will be, no, I will not renounce Jesus. He's the only way. Goodbye. Come it up, Jesus. Amen. I believe the Bible. How many believe the Bible? Jesus said, I am the way. If he's the way, he's the way. Give, give, give a hand to the Lord. Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. The Bible will dispel all darkness. The light of the Word of God will shine a path into eternity. The light of the Word of God will open the eyes of the blind. But preachers have got to teach the Word of God. We can't teach politics. We can't teach theory. We can't become relevant to the times. The Bible is always relevant. The Bible controls the times. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 3 through 8. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man, a person, a human being, be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? Well, Nicodemus was looking this through the eyes of an unsaved man, trying to figure out spiritual things with a mind that didn't understand the word of God. So Jesus, when he tells us things, that our spirit will pick it up if we listen with our heart. And so Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, 
Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God except he's born of the water and the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's not about your physical birth. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Let me tell you what that means. There's a spiritual world that's much more real than this world you see. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual world is much more real. And so Jesus said, here's what the new birth's like. He said, it's like the wind. He said, you can't see the wind, but you see what it does. How many here have ever seen the desert sand blowing? Tumbleweeds blowing. Well, you're seeing the results of something you can't see. You can't see the wind. You only see what it does. When the, sand's, when the, when, when the wind's around, it does something. And so he said this. He said, it's like the new birth. For me, for example, before I got born again, I was a cusser. I was a drinker. I was a lot of other things I was. I acted different. I talked different. Had a bad temper. I didn't like people. I was mean. I was ugly. But you know what? When I got born again, people couldn't see the Holy Spirit come into my life. They saw my outward actions change, though. Instead of staying mad all the time, I got forgiving. Instead of cussing people out, I said, praise the Lord, no big deal. Come on, let's fix it. Let's go in Jesus' name. We can do this. Instead of laying out and getting drunk on Saturday night and sleeping in half the day on Sundays, I went to bed early on Saturday night and got up early on Sunday so I could go to church. On payday, instead of going out and spending my money in a tavern and doing stupid stuff, I wrote up my tithe check, couldn't wait for church day so I could bring my tithe into church. I changed how I did everything. That's what Jesus said. And so, you know, to me, this is just a pastor moment. Sometimes I think out loud. If somebody tells me that, hey, you know what? They got born again. Well, then I think, okay, if they got born again, according to what Jesus said, I'll see some outward action. Something will change. So then if they got born again, then I say, well, where do they go to church at? Oh, they don't go to church yet. They say they don't need church. I think, wow, did they really get born again? Well, then you hear about how they're spending all their money, uh, all, all the lottery. They're, spend, they're, they're doing this, doing that for all their money. Here's where they're putting all their money at. And I think, wait a minute. Everybody I know that got born again, they want to put some money in the offering. They want to tithe. They want to do some things. Well, then you hear, did you see what they put on Facebook the other day? Wow. Somebody that got born again could say that about another human being on Facebook? Especially talk about a Christian that way. Jesus told me that when the Spirit moves in a person's life, He said you can't see the Spirit, but you can see the results of it. See something change. So I'm just planting this seed as food for thought for you. If you're born again, of course you're here today because you're hearing me. Unless you listen to us on the internet, on the podcast, you might be hearing us on that. If you're born again, then that means the Holy Spirit's going to do something in your life. That means you're going to be sad if you have to miss a Sunday church service. That's going to mean on a Wednesday or a Sunday night or some other times, your spirit man's going to be crying out and said, I'm hungry. I want to get around Jesus' people. 
I want to be fed the Word of God. Your spirit's going to be crying out to God, saying, Lord, thank you for blessing me so I can tithe. Thank you, Lord, for giving me money so I can tithe and be a part of what you're doing. And you're going to be coming into church, and you're going to see people raise their hands and worship God will be worship God, and you're going to be like me. When I come into that Pentecostal church, I came in a center. Within a month, I was born again. And I remember the first time. I remember the first time it happened. I've been watching those other people. And my inside said, I want to do that. But my outward side said, you can't do that. And I remember, I tried to raise my arm like the rest of them did. And my outward man fought me on that. And I remember the first time I did that looking around. They were all Pentecostals doing it anyway, but it was kind of embarrassing me because we knew. And I remember the first time I got that hand to go up, I went like that and I looked around and nobody was looking because they had their eyes closed worshiping God. So I remember I went like that and I got that one up. And I'll tell you what, within a few weeks, I came in there. I was raising my hands and I was praising God. But when I first came in there, I couldn't do that because I didn't let the Spirit do something in me. So when the Spirit started doing something in me, I did not care who was watching me. I become conscious of the fact that Jesus Christ was alive. I become conscious of the fact that I'd been just such a, living such a bad life, ugly life, and things like that. I was so glad that alcohol did not have a control of my life anymore. I was so glad the devil didn't have my tongue anymore to cuss people out. I was so glad that my temper got in control to where I didn't want to lose my temper blowing up all, temper blowing up all the time. I'm so glad my life changed that I truly began to raise my hands up to Jesus. And it wasn't because I wanted somebody to see me. It's because that was an outward sign of my inward condition. Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I raise my hands to worship you because I want to. And so that's why we do what we do. We want people, we want people to be like a young Bernie Samples was back in the 80s. To come to the place where he thought, wow, man, there's nothing good in this life now. What am I on this road for? Something's got to change. And praise God for people. People have been trained out of this church that are soul winners for Jesus. Give the Lord a hand again that your life has changed. And so that's a number one priority. Look at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I won't do a lot, I won't do a lot of preaching on this one, but I want to read it. Because you need to be aware of this. Matter of fact, when I went, to, I was thinking about this this morning while I was worshiping. When I went to Bible school back in 1983-84, had a Bible school teacher named Lester Summerall, Dr. Lester Summerall. Anybody here ever hear Dr. Summerall? Lester Summerall. He's one of the Bible school teachers. As a matter of fact, we spent our honeymoon at his church back in 1982. And uh, Dr. Summerall taught a couple Bible classes that I was in called demiology. I mean, I was in a whole lot more of his teaching, but just in Bible school, called demonology. And Dr. Summerall really, really, really was a powerful man of God around the world in a lot of places. But he made a statement that I don't study this subject all the time, but he said that Jesus talked more about demons in hell than he did about heaven and angels. Amen. And so, see, we as Christians, we love to talk about heaven but hell's just a real heaven. Sometimes people move from earth and they move into hell. And I've heard, I've heard dumb, stupid, goofy people say things like, 
Well, man, I don't, I don't want to go where all you hypocrites are. I'm going down and party with my friends forever. Well, when you read the Bible, they don't party in hell. And let me just throw one more thing at you. What's the best place for a hypocrite? Right here. Amen. Tell you what, a bonafide hypocrite, a phony, a person that tries to play games with God or with other Christians, they get in a church like this here. That song we sang a while ago, Lord, let us become more aware of your presence. You get a, you get a hypocrite in here. And they come very often. The Spirit of God is going to get hold of their heart. And all of a sudden, they're going to be in here. There's going to be tears start coming down their cheeks. And in their heart, they're going to start thinking, there's something real about this. I've been playing games, but this is real. These people in here are real people. Well, I worked with that one. I grew up with that one. Well, that one over there used to be my teacher. Well, I remember that one in the neighborhood down there. And that's why they acted like they did out there, because they're coming in here. And Jesus is changing their life. And so this is the best place for, place for hypocrites. Get them in a Holy Ghost church that teaches the Bible. Amen. Change them forever and ever and ever. And so Luke 16, I'm just going to read through this fairly quickly. But this is just one example that Jesus gave. And this wasn't a parable. This was a true thing that Jesus saw happen. It says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day. In other words, that guy, he had the bucks, he had the good modern conveniences, and he was living well. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who stood in front of the Dollar Tree on Main Street in Barstow. No, so, I mean, in Barstow, we know what beggars are. Amen. No, we've got to get a hold of this. This is real people, uh, which, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. That guy's in pretty, pretty bad physical shape. His physical, physical conditions on earth weren't that great. And the other guy was looking really good. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, a real place, angels Took Lazarus to heaven. The rich man died and he went to hell. Somebody said, I wish you wouldn't talk about that. I'm getting kind of uncomfortable. Well, that's kind of the purpose is to scare the hell out of you. And that wasn't a cuss word. That's talking about a real thing. And so in hell, he lifted up his eyes, having a party of his life. What was he doing? In torments. As he and Abraham were far off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. He may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Has anybody here ever had dry mouth? Anybody here ever been out here in the desert and on a long stretch of highway or something in your car even, and maybe your air conditioner's not working, and you get really hot and think, man, I wish I had a bottle of water. I should have brought water with me. Can you imagine, you can't because I can't, but what would it be like to be in hell forever and ever and ever and ever and be crying for one drop of water forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? Right there ought to be enough for this church to go out and preach the gospel 
to everything that moves, doesn't move this whole area every day, all day long. Not just about the heaven part, but about the hell part. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. We want to miss hell. We don't want our loved ones to go to hell. Matter of fact, back in Indiana one time, I preached a campaign of evangelism. I had a great big banner, a banner put on the front of my church up there. And it was, this is back when this campaign about friends don't let friends drive drunk. You ever heard that one? Well, the Lord said to me one day, friends don't let friends go to hell. And so we put that up there. And for several weeks, we really, really, really hit soul winning hard and winning people to Jesus, things like that. Because it's terrible to think you work for somebody every day for years, knowing they're going to hell, and you didn't do anything to help them miss it. That's why we do what we do. We want to get you so full of Jesus that you're not afraid to talk. Amen. And so, he said, what Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue? But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime, there's a lifetime here on earth, and there's an eternity where people live either in heaven or hell forever and ever. In thy lifetime, you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, look at this. He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, they may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses the prophets, let them hear them. Talk about the word of God, what the word of God says. So, you know, let me give you the modern translation of that verse. There are no atheists in hell. Only believers are in hell. Because when they take that last breath, they leave that body, they immediately become a believer. But it's too late. Jesus said, you can't come out of there once you're in there. And the ones here can't come to you and help you. It's over. And so this man in hell, listen to this. Here's a man, here's a man that thought it was fun and games. I got my fancy place here. I got my gate. And here's this beggar comes to my gate just trying to get something falls off my table for the dogs to get it. This guy's so hungry and I got it made. I'm not going to lower myself to do anything for these people out here. I've got it made. But then the guy dies and he prays. He says, please send somebody to talk to my five brothers. We all thought it was a game, but I found out this is not a game. And he says, it's too late now. You're there. That's it. And you know what else, too, something we've got to think about? Everybody that goes to hell goes there by choice. Because when people know in their hearts or somebody tells them about spiritual things like we do, well, immediately there's a choice made. The choice is not right now. I don't want to do that. I can't do that right now. My ball games are on Sunday. That's the day I take the boat out. Well, that's the only day I get to work on my hot rod. Well, that's our family day. Whatever the excuses are, there's always a choice. And so then by the time it comes and people rejected Christ, they made the choice because they chose other things. Them better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so hell's a real place. 
And then Matthew 25, verse 46. Matthew 25, verse 46. We're talking about why we do what we do. And Jesus is talking about two different types of people, people that choose to reject him and go the other direction or people that choose to follow him and live for him. And verse 46, he said this, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal, everlasting and eternal means forever and ever and ever and ever. They mean eternity. So eternity is forever. So that's the point I want to point the word of God real simply here. Why we do what we do is because heaven's real. Hell's real. Eternity's forever. And so we want to do things. We want to do things to bring eternal life to people. And so then why do we need nice, modern, as comfortable as possible buildings? Well, look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And I I think that whistles the New Living Translation of Amen in the old churches I came out of. (laughs) We we used to say amen, but we got whistlers here. (laughs) You can say amen if you want to. We are are a Jesus church, and amen is still appropriate. (laughs) And so Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. One of the last things Jesus said before he left earth was this. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Well, my center column says that means make disciples. Make disciples. A disciple is a student. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We've got water baptism set up anytime soon. We just did a bunch of them a few weeks ago. Okay, yeah, we, we baptize here. Several times a year. So you get born again. You need to be water baptized. It's behind that wall up there. But anyway, we open that up and people get baptized on Sunday mornings. And so he says, teaching them. We're supposed to teach people to observe all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. And so our number two priority is to make disciples of new Christians. It's one thing to get born again. It's another to be discipled. Make disciples of new Christians. That means we have to have a place where they can sit and receive Bible teaching. And, you know, one thing I've learned over the years, I mentioned this in our men's meeting yesterday. By the way, we had an awesome men's meeting yesterday. All you guys that were there at Dillon, you're real men now. (laughs) That's the inside joke there from the men's meeting. You have to come next time to get it. But he's bona fide men. Pastor Dave, did you give him his card yet? You got a man card now, Dylan. <laughs> but listen to this. I learned this a long time ago. Sinners and new Christians have to have comfortable flesh because they don't know the value of the Word of God yet. When you know the value of the Word of God, you would meet with us under a tent out there to hear the word of God because you know you need the word. You know you need the, you know you need the presence of the Holy Spirit as spiritual fellowship. Back in Indiana one time, 
when we were in a building program, we sold one building sooner than what we should have. We uh, had to buy a couple great big tents and put up the property we had, and we met for probably six months in tents in Indiana through the rain and the heat and the cold. But people knew the value of the word and knew to come. And out here in California, we've met in a lot of strange places sometimes. In this building right here, I don't know if you know it or not, this great big beautiful building is like an oven, but the air conditioner doesn't work right. And also, it's like an ice box. Believe it or not, in the desert, in the wintertime, when the temperature drops, this thing holds that cold it got all night long. But what, what, what mature, hungry Christians do, they put more jackets on, they put socks on, and they're coming here because i got to get to church. They know the value of the word. And they'll bring water, they'll, they'll wear tank top to the shorts if we're meeting a tent out in the desert. They're like, man, I'm going to stay cool, I'll put some water on myself, but i got to get there, i got to hear the word. And so buildings like this, when we do what we do, we want the comfort ourselves. Sure, we want it. I'd much rather sit here and do what I'm doing, being comfortable, but I'll come regardless, whatever it is. And a lot of you will come too, regardless of the physical comforts, because you know. But people that don't know, we've got to do our best to have good temperature, have good seating, good lights and all those things, because there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. Eternity's forever. And if we can't get them in here in a comfort zone long enough for the Holy Spirit to get a hold of them, then we've missed everything God called us to do. Amen. We want all of our facilities to be really nice. And if all we cared about was us four no more, we say, hey, guys, we don't really need all these building stuff like that, man. We got we got a 100 people. We just get together somewhere else, and we don't have to pay those utility bills to do that anymore. You guys are going to come here. Right, right, right. Okay, let's just meet over here then. It'll save that money. It's not about us. It's not about us. I am very confident, 100%, I know that I know that I know that I know. If I take my last breath today, man, I'm out of here. I'm in heaven. I know that. I know that. But I do know this. There's a whole lot of people that I can influence before I go to heaven. And so to be able to influence them, I want to do everything I can with all my money, with all my breath and everything I do, I'll do everything I can to have seating and comfort for you when you witness to that cousin, when you witness that co-worker, when you talk to that person down at the Walmart or the Kroger, not Kroger out here, food for less, at the stores out here, and then you see me on someone, hey, pastor, I want you to meet my friend. This is my friend right here. I want your friend to come in when it's 110 degrees outside and not come in here as 120 in here because nothing works like what I come here for, man? I go down to who's on first to get a cold one. <laughs> we don't want you to go to who's on first. We want you to come in here and get a hot one. Not talk about hot. Talk about a hot word from God. Hey, man, something to help you. And so that's why we do what we do. Are you seeing what I'm saying about why we're doing what we're doing? We want nice stuff, not just for us, but we want people to come in and not be offended in the flesh to where they never come back again. Amen. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so we want to make disciples of them. And we want to have a place where they can come and come back enough so we can disciple them. And then number three, our third priority is to train and allow believers to serve in the church in the area that God has gifted them in. And that doesn't necessarily mean the department, but how God has gifted them. 
I found out over the years that everybody doesn't want to preach. We have some that want to preach, and if they uh, aren't taught right, they'll wonder how come some people just want to work in the nursery, or some people just want to clean the floors of the toilets, or some people just want to come and work on landscaping, or some people just want to come and fix up stuff, etc., etc. Everybody has something else on the inside of them that God put in their heart that this is what God wants them to do. And how do you know what God wants you to do when you're born again? Where's your heart drawn to? Amen. Some people would be so terrified if I ever asked them to come up here and say, Hey, man, you know what you tell me back there while I go about those verses you saw that God showed you? Uh, come up here a minute and share that with the people. <laughs> they couldn't do it. But then somebody else said, You know what? We had some kids that got a hold of something wrong, and we got some stuff up there on the floor that somebody needs to clean up. Well, the one that wants to do this, chances are they're going to say, Oh, but somebody else will say, where's that at, Pastor? Let me get to it. I want to get up there and clean that up. I want to clean up the place where those kids come in next week. It's sanitized and cleaned and scrubbed and ready to go so those little kids come up there and be safe. And so that's what we want to do is disciple people, train them, and give them the opportunity to do what God put in their heart to do. Uh, and then when they're able to do it here, what God put their heart to do, guess what that does? that automatically sets them up to be an evangelist on the job. To be an evangelist at their family reunions. What's an evangelist? That's somebody who wants to preach the gospel to somebody. And so they may not want to preach the gospel to a couple hundred people, but it's just an effective evangelist when you're out there where the sinners are to preach the gospel to the one person. You know what I've noticed? Multitudes of unsaved people don't run to church on Sunday morning. You know where they go on Monday morning, though? They worship something called the Almighty Dollar. And so no matter how tired they are, and let me tell you something, Christians learn off sinners. I learned something years ago off a sinner, and it totally, totally, totally opened my eyes. I always, at the drop of a hat, when I was a sinner, called in sick, because I didn't like to work every day. So I would call in. And so one day, this guy I was talking to, he was really obviously sick and the fever and everything like that. I said, Tom, I said, man, how can you just stay home? He said, I can't make any money staying home. He said, if I'm going to be sick, might as well get paid for it. I thought, wow. Because see, all this sick day stuff people get wasn't always out there. It used to be if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. He said, he said why, why should I lay home sick so I can come here sick and get, make money out of it? Well, I began to realize about Christians then. Christians don't call in sick because they want to make money. But they miss church over sick because they don't realize the anointing is here would heal them. And so, if you can go to work sick, why can't you come to church sick? Amen. You get it. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about contagious stuff that's going to cause an epidemic. I'm talking about just the normal stuff that gets on people from time to time out there. Why can't you come in and get healed if you go to work and uh, make money? Oh, well. I guess that was another pastor's pastor moment thinking out loud, wasn't it, man? I hope that spilled over on you because you need to get a hold of that. You're going to feel better when you come to church. So anyway, we allow believers to serve. And so we get this place heading towards our rededication time of the facilities in just a few minutes. Here's what we're preparing our hearts for at our facilities. Great revivals coming to California and America. Great revivals coming. 
Already revival's happening in many places around the world. If you follow any kind of Christian things and not just stupid secular lying news, you're going to find out there's revival happening around the world. And how can I say that revival's coming to California? Because God's people are crying out and calling out to God. God answers prayers. There's believers all over California crying out to God. We've had enough. We've had enough. We've had enough. We don't, deli- we don't agree with these liberal things that are totally anti-God. We live in this state. It's our state, Jesus. And we want help, Jesus. Help, Jesus. We want to see things change in this state. And when you read the Bible, whatever God's people cried out, there come a point in time God moved. Amen. Going to be moving across America. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. <clears throat> and so, in preparing for the dedication of our facilities, I want to look at Joel chapter 2 and Haggai chapter 2 in the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at Joel chapter 2, verse 23 to 29. And I learned something in Bible school. Uh, a Bible law of interpretation of understanding the scriptures is called the law of double reference. The law of double reference. And what that means is this. A lot of things in the Old Testament, the prophets were talking to Israel about, but they were also prophesied of the future of the church. That we, the church. And when I'm talking about the church, if you're a new believer or somebody hasn't been taught the Bible, when I say the church, you might be thinking we're talking about this church. We're not talking about this church building. Talk about God calls the church all Christians around the whole world. We've got we've we've got we've got church in Africa, we've got church in Asia, we've got church in Iraq. What's church? Christians that are gathered together to worship Jesus and serve Jesus. So we talk about the church. We're talking about the body of Christ. Are all believers worldwide everywhere? Is what the Bible calls the church. So the law of double reference. In the Old Testament, many times God's talking to Israel. He's looking into the future to the day we live in right now, the 21st century. And he's talking to us. And the church started on the day of Pentecost. The church started, the spirit-filled church started the day of Pentecost. So anyway, in Joel chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion. And Zion, most of the time in the Old Testament, is referred to the New Testament church. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Well, to Israel, what he was talking about, in Israel, in that desert climate over there like we've got here, they needed rain in the springtime to get the ground ready to plant their new crops. And then at harvest time, they needed rain to come. They needed the former rain, the spring rain. Then they needed the latter rain to get the crops ripe and filled out for harvest. They needed rain to get it started. They needed rain to mature so they could harvest the crop. And so what he's talking about in the New Testament church, which we'll be seeing, is that God had a great outpouring in the book of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The rain, the former rain, was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to begin the New Testament church. And so that he's talking here about he's going to have a great rain, the latter rain, the days we live in, to finish the church age where we are, to have great revival come. It's going to be a great harvest like this world's never seen of people coming to Jesus. We need that former rain, 
that we're going to get the latter rain. And so that's a twofold purpose there. And the floors shall be full of wheat. You know what that means? That was harvest. And the churches are going to be full of harvest. When the rain comes, the churches are going to be full of harvest. And the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I'll restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great armies which I sent among you. And so when they went through judgment and bad things happened, then God said, you're going to receive restoration. I'll tell you what, the church in America is going to be restored, the ones that want it. I said the ones that want it. This church wants it. This church wants it. We want restoration. We want restoration of the gifts of the Spirit, of the power of God, of people coming through those doors and crying out, what must I do to be saved? People coming up to you on your jobs. Family members calling you and saying, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. I need to get right with God. Amen. It says, and you shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that built wonderfully with you and my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am the midst of Israel I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And then here's Acts chapter 2. Peter actually preached this verses right here in Acts chapter 2. People try to figure out what happened. People begin to speak in tongues, and wild things begin to happen on the, on the streets of Jerusalem. And then Peter preached this right here. And this is Joel telling it before it happened. As shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons... And your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. That began to happen on the day of Pentecost. And God says we're going to receive the latter rain now. And we're going to see it increase in the time we live in. That's why I'm showing those spirit-filled books out of the bookstore. God wants you filled with the Spirit. God wants this church and any church that will let Him come in. That song we sang a while ago, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Let us become more aware of your presence in this place and those things. God wants that right here. And you know what? We're going to let Him do it right here. We give Him permission. We want it. Now look at Haggai chapter 2. few verses over. A few pages over. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, verse 9. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, verse 9. It says this, Speak for them then, then speaking especially now for end times. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations. How many believe that all nations of the world right now are shook up? Amen. Stay praying for our president, our military leaders. North Korea tried another big one last night. And I'll tell you what, things right now are getting really, really much more serious concerning us personally as a nation than ever before. We're being challenged by people that just don't have any smarts. And they're at the wrong place at the wrong time. There are lots lots of stuff going on right now. 
Prayer is such a key to God moving in our nation right now more than ever. And so I'll shake all nations and desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. I will fill this house with glory. We sang that that song says, let us see your glory fills with your glory. The glory of God is the manifest, tangible presence of God. Has anybody here ever been in a church service where you started crying and you didn't really know why? You just crying like, man, I don't know what's happened. What? I don't know why I'm crying like this. I'm not emotional. I'm not an emotional person. <laughs> it's not emotions. It's the glory of God on your flesh. When the glory of God comes in, you start shaking. You start crying. You start repenting. You start praying. You start singing. You start dancing. You get quiet. It affects different people different ways. You know, the Bible says, be still, know I am God. Then he says, shout unto God, but voice of triumph. I mean, the glory of God causes different things to happen different ways to different people at different times. What I've said, he said, I'll fill this house with glory. He said, when I show up, everybody's going to get something. Amen. Amen. That's what we want. I'll fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. By the way, that host means battles. He's the Lord of battles. God wants to fight your battles. He says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of battles. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. At this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. And so God is saying to the church around the world, but specifically to our church, I receive this personally to us, that God has done great things here since that great man of God Pastor Bill Long, his wife Betty, started this years and years and years ago. Praise God, he still used them for where they are and what they're doing. God got this place started. He's filled with his glory many times the last bunches of years. He's done a lot of things in this church. But guess what? I'm going to hook up with those verses. God said, greater glory. Greater than ever before. Coming now. So let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.